Hello, heroes. Welcome to Modifier. I'm your host, Megan Dornbrock. Hey, heroes. This week, I chatted with Doug Geisler about his Powered by the Apocalypse game, Beat the Boss. We talk a lot about PBTA games on Modifier, and their prevalence definitely says a lot about the versatility of that approach. What really jumped out at me about Beat the Boss, though, was less the mechanical choices that Doug made to accomplish his goals, though we do talk about those, I promise, but more the specific scenarios the game introduces players to. Doug is an experienced labor organizer, and Beat the Boss is about playing as union organizers and the campaign that is organizing a labor force. I think that we as role players are well-versed in allegory, and by that I mean that we are very aware of the bad situations in the world we live in, and we are very skilled at depicting them fictionally, like with different names and faces and creatures, so that we can deal with them in uh, like a detached kind of way. But what I find so compelling about Beat the Boss and our conversation around it is that even though Doug might draw similarities between a corrupt boss and a dragon, and he does draw those similarities, the game doesn't couch this stuff in any fan. Fantasy. He acknowledges that you could see it like a fantasy epic, but then skates right past that and instead gives you real, possible scenarios, as well as the tools to make them better. Beat the Boss is by no means the only game that does this, but through our chat, the deliberate choice to avoid the allegory really struck me as a sign of hopefulness. This game is designed by someone who has been living this job for 20 years and still believes fights can be won. That's incredible. And I think that realism paired with hope is something we could do with more of. So let's get to the show. Hey there, heroes. This week, I am joined by Doug Geisler, and we are going to talk about his game, Beat the Boss. Hi, Doug. Hi. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for inviting me to come talk about the game. Yeah, I'm I'm really interested to, to find out some more about this game. Uh, first, though, would you like to introduce yourself a little bit, some places heroes might know you from or projects that you've worked on? This is the first game I've ever made. Uh, most of the stuff I do, I've done is like all homebrew. Uh, people may know me from union organizing around the, uh, the Western region, like uh, all up and, down, up and down the West Coast. But that's okay. that, that's my like my whole game experience, really. Uh, is I'm just getting into it. Not really getting That's into awesome. it. I've been role playing for like 30 years, but sure. Uh, you know, actually publishing anything is uh, a new and nerve wracking experience. That's awesome. That's what we like, though. This is cool. So this is a game about that thing that you do, union organizing, that people may or may not know you from. I'm. I would be super curious if somebody does. That would be cool. <laughs> um, it would be a very small uh, Venn diagram. Right? Like, there's one person out there who's like, yes, I, I know. Totally know. I totally so, know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so let's talk a little bit about that, about what you do. So um, what what is union organizing? Well, uh, the, the, like, the basic uh, term that I use when I uh, am meeting new workers that aren't organized is yeah. that a union is a group of workers who all have the same employer, and they come together to change the things they want to change and keep the things they like. Cool. Right? So like okay. that that's the the basic like most rudimentary definition of the of union organizing. Okay. Uh but like, you know, workers uh in all kinds of different industries uh can come together and by having like three elements like there's these three things that all all successful organizing campaigns have and mm-hmm. everyone knows like everyone in 
in like HR departments know this stuff. They work very hard to make it difficult. Uh, you need a, a full and accurate list of everybody who works at the place. Mm-hmm. You got to have a committee of leaders and people that are respected in the workplace that make decisions about what direction to take the campaign. Okay. Um, and you have to have this like capacity to, to act without fear of retaliation because really like the status quo doesn't change unless you make it want to change. Uh, there are people who are taking, who are like benefiting, taking advantage of the status quo. And only if you push that condition fearlessly is that, or you, you know, you can show fear. You can like feel it internally, but like mm-hmm. you gotta, you gotta like manage the expression of it. It's the same thing you do when you like face, when your friends are facing down a dragon, right? You, you're like, <laughs> I don't want to attack that thing. Yeah. It will immediately kill me. Yeah. So, uh, those three things, like the, the list, the committee and taking action, every successful campaign I've ever worked on has that. And I've, oh, I've wow. been organizing since 2000. Wow. Okay. That's, that's incredible. Do you, are there certain types of industries that that you work with or, or is there room for union organizing in like every industry? Every industry can organize. We're coming up on an anniversary of the, uh, the Seattle general strike in, uh, well, it's the almost the hundred year anniversary of that where mm-hmm. like all of the industries in Seattle, they struck uh, at the same time, and they had a like a, a central labor council that that uh, determined who could work, like just for the benefit of the city, right? So, like the ambulance drivers presented their case: "Hey, we need to do this work," mm-hmm. and the central labor council approved that had that happening. Mm-hmm. But the the industries I'm mostly working with is long term care and public se- public sector workers. Oh, so like okay. hospital, uh, not hospitals. That's acute mm-hmm. care, but, uh, nursing homes, home care, and yeah. there's like a very wide variety of that home care, child care. Uh, mm. yeah. So like you imagine the, the person who comes in and, and helps your mom, like clean up around the house or make sure she yeah. takes her pills on time, uh, all the way through palliative care, end of life stuff. Okay. Oh, wow. So it's kind of heavy, like, you know, very mortal, uh, work that the, the, the folks that I'm, I'm talking to on the, on a daily basis are sure. taking, taking part in. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can't, like, those are some of the, the busiest people I feel like that I know, you know, dealing, dealing with those sorts of challenges every day. And then to turn around and, and think about, you know, putting a union together has got to be a lot to handle. Um, yeah. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the life and death stuff really makes it uh, very, Concrete. Yeah, absolutely. Do you find that people generally understand it, what a union is or what it could do? Or, or do you find that you have to kind of sell them on that too? It's like you have to break th- – most time, you have to break through like pretty heavy amounts of semantic baggage. Mm-hmm. When you talk to somebody about a union, they have yeah. like a, a perception. Depending on where you live in the country, you have a a, a, a mental image, a model in your mind. Of what a union is. So uh, when I grew up in the South, I grew up in Florida. Unions mm-hmm. were trash. Like there were yeah. a bunch of buildings, like, uh, building trade unions mm-hmm. or, or like Disney World was all controlled by the pinky ring wearing stereotype. And yeah. when I was there, I don't know how, what it looks like now, but I didn't have a very big positive image. But when I moved to the West Coast, the unions were the ones who were taking on big fights and like really trying to change low wage workers' lives. 
when I started organizing, we were, we organized, um, the first industry I organized was the state paid home care workers that were getting paid four twenty five an hour mm-hmm. in 2000, which was mm-hmm. below the minimum wage. Huh. And, uh, right. Uh, so very hard to make ends meet for them. And through the power of their negotiations, they've gotten to uh, be paid fourteen sixty five an hour. Uh, nice. and if they get the extra training, $15 an hour really changed a life, right? Every, yeah. every single one of those people now has like a different perspective or a different like future than what they had, what, what they were facing before. That's incredible. Yeah. What, what got you into doing this? Like, was it something that happened where you were working or, or you got into organizing for other people? Like how, yeah. How did this start? So the, like one of the trainings that we do uh, in the union and like the whole labor movement is this story of self thing where you get mm-hmm. to tell your story about like you get to pick out the, the very high details for yourself. Oh, nice. So I grew up on the edge of a, on the outskirts of an affluent neighborhood in Florida. So I got to see where all of – I went to high school and got to see the houses of all the doctors and lawyers and stockbrokers that that were in town. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my family was not. My dad retired from working at Ma Bell with his CWA contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we scraped by in Florida, had a middle-class life, which kind of has disappeared in modern yeah. in a modern American economy. And I went to the – like kicked around, got my anthropology degree, went to – moved to Oregon – where it's nice and rainy and cloudy all the time. <laughs> yep. uh, and went to the WTO protest in 2099 in November mm. and saw the power of, of like collective action shutting down a major economic like activity. And the, I was with a crew of people that had like locked down the corner in front of FAO Schwartz and Nike town right in front of the Sheraton where the, the convention was happening, the WTO full mm. like all of the delegates were coming in to go meet there uh and we locked out the folks i was with locked themselves to a table to block the intersection oh wow right like a, a like steel reinforced welded stage sized table and the cops were like slowly advancing on us uh to uh, where we were at they were inching closer and closer as over the course of the day and about four o'clock they were you know they were 20 feet away from us mm. and uh the AFL had a rally that day and they started a march and the steel workers broke off from the march. They're like, we don't like to, the, this march isn't going anywhere near any of the action. We need to change mm-hmm. that. So the steel workers broke away from the whole thing and pushed the cops back, uh, from mm-hmm. our position by like a half block, just like linked arms and these like burly men and women just <laughs> rolled through them. Holy it was crap. amazing. Right. Yeah. This is amazing. Like to be in the center of that situation where these, like these, these workers come through and the cops retreat. So coming back from that to, to home, I had to get involved in stuff and I looked around and found that the, the labor movement was really doing stuff. And the, uh, if I wanted to like have a voice in changing people's views of the, like the environment or, uh, their own free time or psychology or, or any of the, like the other major things that kind of roll around in terms of activism rights and mm-hmm. like respect for other people. It comes from, I think the foundationally you have to change their working conditions and their living conditions. So they have time to think about those things. Oh, most okay, working class yeah. people don't have a, any opportunity to really think about, uh, the environment. They have yeah. to take a long vacation to go camping. 
uh, or if they, they don't really have time to think about how they treat their fellow human being because they got to get to work. Right. Or they yell at the people in the car in front of them or they are stressed out because they have to get their kid to daycare or whatever. That's a really good point. Right. So th- and then I got it, uh I went to the AFL CIO training that was ha- that happened in October of 2000 mm-hmm. and uh found out that all their whole training was role playing. Mm. Right? I had this the whole thing was everybody that came to this training there was probably 40 people in a in a, a hotel like conference room. Mm-hmm. Um, we all played the organizers and the people doing the training all played workers and we had to go to a hotel room and knock on the door and role, role play through a whole house visit or you go oh and like gosh. talk about organizing. Yeah, that's a LARP. That's awesome. <laughs> right? It is a total LARP, right? Where you like, it's all live action role playing. Yeah. But that was like, once I, it clicked with me that like, oh, they're going to feed me all of the stuff that their character needs to, to be talked about. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I will just like I will play the organizer role and and yeah. and really get into where they're where they're coming from as a worker and move them to take action, stand with their coworkers, that sort of thing. Huh. That's so wild. Right. All the training that I've gone through as an organizer is is really role playing heavy. Yeah. Where I'm like uh, there, there's a sort of a campaign. I, mean, I kind of. Re- re- loosely based my, my play test campaign on this one that the international union uses. So SEIU has got a bunch of like sub local or locals all over the country and Mm -hmm. there's SEIU international and they're kind of the parent organization for locals all over the place. Sorry, I missed sharing that and like laying that foundation. So uh, the international had this training about a, a nursing home and I just kind of like lifted that whole training and made that mm-hmm. the, the play test campaign. Mm. Uh, what they, what doesn't happen in that international training is like any opportunity for failure or deviation from now you move to the next step. It's real railroady. Huh. So then all of, all of your training being, like a game and you know you know you noticing this from the start was making a game that simulates the training like how long was that a thought for you um i tried to do it earlier but didn't have a, n- enough like ma- different systematic knowledge yeah right when you like you get this inkling like we could totally do this differently and there could be like an opportunity for failure off ramps to this campaign or yeah. and you can learn from that like you can learn from attempting a strategy and it failing right it doesn't move yeah. the workers or it doesn't like doesn't move the boss to recognize their power or the chancellor of the college kicks you off campus or something, whatever the action is. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But there's like, there was no opportunity for just abject straight up failure to learn from in those. But I, I couldn't figure like a good mm-hmm. mechanic to do it until I like learned about powered by the apocalypse. Yeah. Right. That, that was a big breakthrough, like conceptually for me. Yeah. Do you do you think there was any reasoning behind keeping that kind of failure out of the training? Like, would that have been, oh, it's discouraging if you fail too much, or oh, it's it's, or, or do you think it was even thought about? In a way, that tr- I think the training was about how organizers manage an organizing committee. Okay, right. It was it was more to just test like where the instincts of the organizers stood, and mm-hmm. not so much how the like how you could think into it more deeply and get a different lesson from it. Like they didn't like, does that make sense? Like the, the lesson yeah. wasn't, 
wasn't that one thing. Wasn't the the like learn how to move through a whole campaign. It was more about like you have this situation. What do you do? Yeah. Okay. And then what what you've kind of put together is the whole campaign. It's yeah. So you can it's beginning to okay. Yeah. So what what I'm working on with this game is being able to start from the first person you talk to in a community or at a workplace, identify their big issues and start Mm -hmm. the process of organizing there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I got an idea to work on it to, to get out a, like a guide to how to, how to make your workplace into a campaign that you can write, you can play through. Oh, Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of fun, right? Because you look around, you start yeah. identifying the issues and the hesitations that your coworkers are going to have. You're immediately going to get yeah. flagged for trouble by the HR department and your manager. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. It's good to be trouble. Yeah. Uh, it's way more fun. Yeah. Is that the experience that you want players to come away, like, having had that, that they are ready to kind of do this for real? Yeah, they like, I think there's, there's a part of it that's like, uh, really not enough of my generation or the millennial generation really have a concrete firsthand knowledge of what it's like to have a union workplace. Or if they do, they have like, they have a different kind of perspective on a union workplace where it's like run by somebody in an office somewhere that comes in and tells them another thing to do. That's, that's like a real challenge with, uh, you know, with, with labor. Overall, is the uh, there's two different ways to approach it. Whether you either have a servicing model where uh, I pay my dues and you are my insurance company that helps me from get to get like from getting fired or disciplined, like that's a service right. model. Or there's an organizing model, which is what I'm trying to reinforce, where the yeah. where the workers in the workplace, the ones that like ultimately have control and decision making power over their own union. Mm. To get all the tools and basic tactics to like organize their work, to do their work, to like, to gain their power at work. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad that you, you broke that down because my own personal experience, the closest I think I've come is a service model in education. And it's, it was very much like, oh, I mean, I guess they're helpful. Like, right. mm, <laughs> I don't know what they're doing for me, but okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you get like places like, uh, BuzzFeed, Vox, which is just going to, yeah. is still in negotiation right now, uh, or some like computer game places that are organizing. Yeah. Right. That's, yeah. The Blizzard thing just happened. Right. And people are calling for, for, or, you know, organizing. Yeah. Video games definitely need to organize. That would be great. I mean, it's, a, it's a real sweatshop. Like, yeah. The, that kind of work is like the, the, the 80 hour weeks with, uh, like a sleep under your desk sort of approach. Mm-hmm. Going contract to contract, if that, and hoping you're not fired tomorrow. Or blackballed and... <laughs> for for uh, trying to do something. Yeah. yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah, and that's that's by design, right? There's mm-hmm. there's only a, a small handful of people that benefit off that. Yep, and that's and that's the boss that we're going to beat. Hopefully, right? That's <laughs> the idea. What's really exciting for me as an organizer and the rest of the, my colleagues is that like you can take this game and play it at a lot of different levels. You can mm-hmm. play it at the really kind of surface level, very tactically. Like I need, we need to go and build our organizing committee. So you spend your shifts, your your day day and night shift, going and trying to find people, and just leave it let, leave it leave it for the dice to handle. Uh, or you can get to the the like individual conversation level and actually play through where two players uh, sit down and one plays the organizer and one plays the worker. Oh, cool! And 
you know, come up with like we call it a wrap in our in the in in union organizing. It's the just the like the way that you move a worker through like breaking down their preconceived notions and really mm-hmm. grounding the conversation and what's important to the worker. So you talk about issues and you you identify who's really to blame with you know related to those issues. You show that it's worked in other places and that you can benefit from standing together and then move through like the action steps. What do we need to do to, do to to win. Yeah. Um, so you can play the game at multiple different levels. You can play beat the boss where you're like only tactically looking at stuff and like, we want to, we want to build our OC and then we start looking at what actions we want to do to move forward towards recognition. Or you can be like, you can take it, take the game all the way down to the ground floor or the, the like living room couch and, um, and sit down in someone's living room and really play out that interaction. Oh, that's cool. Right. Yeah. What, what is it about then powered by the apocalypse that, attracted you and, and let you do this? Yeah. Probably a year before I even started writing anything about the game, I, I was really like bending all of my coworkers' ears that there's real tendencies that organizers have mm-hmm. um, where like some organizers want to include everyone in the universe in the problem and really gr- go really broad and try and make it a community issue or they yeah. want to be like, they want to social, they want to service the, the workers' problem. And like Mm -hmm. ameliorate all of their pain, like, which is a human reaction, right? But in many cases, organizing does like work, it works counter to organizing to do that, to like, well, this person doesn't have health insurance. So instead of talking about how the boss is the problem for their health insurance, we Mm -hmm. help them get the health plan in the state and get on Medicaid. Mm. It's more effective in or for organizing terms to, to like find other people who also have no health insurance and pin all of that on the boss yeah, rather than solving it. So I started f- finding all these tendencies like character classes and they kind of develop uh-huh. into character classes. So you can have playbooks that reinforce these different te- tendencies of an organizer, <laughs> right? So there's that part. There's uh, I, I, I've hunted around for different, like different systems that had kind of a linear plot line to the campaign and found night witches, which has a linear like military campaign where the night witches like moved bases throughout the, the world war two campaign. Mm, Yeah. Okay. Seeing that example helped frame how do you do a campaign in a union context? Yeah. Okay. So that was helpful. And additionally, like just being able to easily pick up two six sided dice and have that range of, of success, right? You either fail, you have some sort of moderated success, or you succeed. Mm-hmm. It's really like easy to grasp and it's easy to build yeah. like a bunch of outcomes around. You know, so if you in the in beat the boss, if you try and house visit somebody, I have personal experience of like a worker telling me that they heard me promise something that we were going to get in the contract negotiation at the house. And I know I didn't promise it, but they heard it. So those sort of outcomes or like a worker gets really connected. They really bond with one organizer and that is the only organizer that can move them. Oh, yeah. So I was able to build in a lot of like my personal experience from organizing into those, those like mixed success outcomes. Oh, okay. Right. There's, there's a bunch of stuff that, uh, that I've seen in the, the course of almost 20 years of organizing that, uh, that helps out to, uh, to get that, get those lessons across. 
Okay. And then on like a mechanical note, since you mentioned different organizers, different types of organizers having different playbooks, um, the one of the typical things we see in Powered by the Apocalypse games is different playbooks have specific moves. Like there are the, the common moves everyone can do, but do mm-hmm. your organizers, your different types have specific things only they can do? Yeah, there's a, there's one that's like, uh, there's a character that's, uh, very concerned about the, the health and safety of the organization, the apparatchik. And they can mm-hmm. throw people under the bus. They can, like, totally oh. <laughs> sabotage other coworkers when there's uh, time for, like, a debrief. At the end of every game week, there's, there's a debrief from the organizing director to, to come in and say, uh, what, what, what went well? What went wrong? Whose fault is it? That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Which happens, right? We do one-on-ones and we, we meet as a, as a team weekly. There's, um, like the community organizer can, knows some people to call. So if there's an event or an action that's going to come up, they can drop that move and bring in the, the, the priests for the action. Oh, cool. Some, like, some of the times when you're, uh, when you're organizing, you do a, a march on the boss. It seems very militant and everyone reacts differently when you say march on the boss. Uh, but yeah. it's nothing more than like going as a group and politely saying, we all want to have a union. And if you don't like it, we're going to file for an election. But if you bring a priest along, the, co- the boss is hemmed in on how they can behave. They can't behave like a monster and like yell and scream at everybody because there's a priest there. Oh, interesting. So the community organizer can call in the priest very easily and help out with your action. That's wild. I never thought about that. So pulling from from Night Witches and following this path, uh, do you have like scenes or beats that they're trying to hit in a particular order? Yeah, yeah. Like how uh, Night Witches proceeds from base to base as they go through the the, the campaign mm-hmm. for World War Two, right? And in a organizing drive, you like in in a, like a nursing home, skilled nursing facility, right? You start with building your organizing committee before you drop authorization cards as like the tangible proof for the government that workers want to organize. You have these authorization cards that amidst a bunch of legalese say, I want to have a union. So mm-hmm. you have to have a, it's best to have a committee before you drop cards because otherwise okay. the boss will just smack you down. Yeah. Um, and then after dropping cards, you get a majority and you file those and then you have an election. So there is a, like a, there's a, there's a, directional narrative to union organizing that should be done in an order. Cause if you do it out of order, you get beat up. One of the things I did like doing uh, in like an innovation in this is trying to figure out how the, the enemy would react, right? How does in, in yeah. night witches, it's all about how successful your bombing run is mm-hmm. in this in beat the boss. The boss just spends money to erode support. Oh, so for every stage, they get another chunk of income Right. So the beginning stage, they, they start with a, an amount of money and they can just spend cash to erode support, which is functionally what happens. They have one on ones. They put a flyer up that nobody can talk about their working conditions or they pull some, pull one or two key people aside and lie to them and get them all kind of uh not confused but like they they do like the the defense lawyer trick of mm-hmm. sowing doubt right amongst people yeah. um but that just costs money for a boss yeah huh 
and really the 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 like the crux of the game is that balance that battle over the percent of support in the workplace. So you like when you get to the point of having an election, you want to have that majority, the bigger majority, the bigger message to the employer that the mm-hmm. workers are serious about wanting change and standing together. Mm-hmm. The narrower it is, the more like the the in in negotiations, the the boss can like push back more. Yeah. So it's like a battle for the soul of the workplace sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, really. Wow, this is this is tough. That's why I thought it is really fertile ground for drama because you know, I've had workers yell at me on their front door because uh that I was because their fear was so like manifest of mm-hmm. their boss and where we were at in the campaign that they they lashed out at the organizers. Um you know, I've had I've had to have conversations, crying conversations with with workers in their living rooms or you know in their dining rooms because they can't afford to pay a th- pay for like necessities. Yeah, they can't get groceries because they don't have enough money. And you're talking to them about like risking their only livelihood to to get yeah. like justice for themselves. Man, and so all the players are playing organizers, but I I can just imagine. Folks I've played games with, though, very eagerly jumping into these scenes and playing the workers and playing the NPCs and just having these just gut-wrenching conversations for fun. Right. <laughs> um, oh, my God. <laughs> no, like, I, I really, like, started uh, re- recalling or, like, really um, understanding that uh, narrative stories really, like, sit deeper with you than, mm-hmm. than like, an interview or, like, a discussion, right? If you mm-hmm. tell a story about how a thing happened... You know, like Reagan was really good about this, even making up a bunch of stories about these the the like blue collar workers he'd met and how the liberals had destroyed their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, but that stuck with the voting public when it came time to cast ballots. Right. That that narrative that you get out of a role playing game sits deeper as a lesson. So even yeah. if you do play that like that that really like dramatic conversation about how how challenging organizing would be for a worker. It's gonna like li- it's gonna live with you. Absolutely, yeah. I was gonna say how many how many stories can we pull just off the top of our head from games we've played, and we know like we remember it so clearly. Gosh, have yeah, have you real. played this with your your coworkers? Yeah, that's my Anybody my main works? my main playtest group has been a bunch uh, all my coworkers, and they do not they don't really know role playing games very much. Hmm. They know organizing and like I'm really testing with a group of people who don't talk to workers too much. So like I'm oh, I'm following up with them being like, so did you did you learn anything about like the whole process of beginning an organizing campaign through this effort? And it's like, oh yeah, I got I got an understanding of how um the role of an organizing committee or how difficult it is to start an organizing committee. Because there's, if you fail, right, and in, in trying to recruit somebody, they're just not home. That happens a lot in union organizing. They're just Ooh. not there. It's not that yeah. they like said no. I'm not going to talk to you. That would be like if if there was a bunch of heaped up kind of drama or hard moves that you wanted to pull on the workers. But yeah. as often, you just spent the day driving around. Now you're tired. <laughs> oh yeah. Like instead of death, like in in Night Witches, the the characters die, right? Uh, mm-hmm. when they've taken four wounds here, you just burn out <laughs> and, oh. like organizing for 20 years. I've had 
I've had dozens of coworkers move through sure. where they, they'll last for a, a short period of time, burn out and have to go do something else. They'll go to law school or they're, they'll go find another union to work at. They'll change yeah. what they're working on, but it's, it's draining to like go get rejected a lot. Yeah. And is, is that mostly how you reach out to workers is like visiting, visiting them in person or, or how, how do you do that? How do you start that conversation? Yeah. Um, the bulk of my experience has been, uh, knocking on a door of someone who did not expect me to be there. Mm hmm. Right. Uh, there's sometimes where you can have like break room conversations or cafeteria conversations, depending on the industry. Yeah. But my, my experience has been going to, going to someone's house and, uh, and reminding myself that there used to be a culture of going to visit your friends and neighbors. <laughs> Yeah, and now anybody who comes to your door is immediately suspect. Yeah, for real. Like, yeah, you used to go like just your next door neighbor and go play cards with them, or bring a an instrument over and jam, or just sit mm-hmm. around drinking a six pack of PBR and telling stories. Now mm-hmm. you just watch TV. I mean, that's yeah. for the benefit. The cool stuff about role playing is that you get to you know you get to uh, tell stories with your friends, which yeah. is bringing community back. Yeah, I like that. I don't know if I would play a game with anybody who knocked on my door, but I would, <laughs> I would yeah. <laughs> I would be more inclined to, to let them in my house if, if they were going to role play with me than if they're going to try and get That's me to contribute true. to a, a political action event or something. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe that's what they need to do. <laughs> you know, instead of stopping me, hey, do you have five minutes for to talk about green energy? Just like, hey, do you have five minutes to play a game? I do. Yeah. I do have five minutes to play a game. Let's play. <laughs> Hmm. You cracked it wide open. Right. Now oh. we're going to, that's all we're going to see on the street corners now is all those Greenpeace oh kids with like some tic-tac-toe game. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Sorry about yep. that world. You've ruined it. Uh, so I, I saw that you, um, one of the things that you mentioned about playtesting on the Kickstarter page was making sure the language was understandable. Uh, to people, you know, who are either familiar with games or with unions or none at all. Mm-hmm. How difficult is that? Like, oh my what, God. What? <laughs> yeah. we, use, we use so much jargon and like oh. acronyms. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. We throw around uh, OC, which is the organizing committee. It's like, that's even jargony. Like, who the mm-hmm. hell knows what an organizing committee is? I was going to say OC means something completely different in my circles. So, right? yes. And that's yeah. new for me. Like, I'm so used to, like, player character that, like, OC, I'm like, I'm seeing that on Twitter and, and uh-huh. it's throwing me for a minute. What is it? Original character. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah, organizing committee is even jargon, like, the National Labor Relations Board. Mm-hmm. Like, throw that jargon around. People just... Yeah. Li- watch their head snap back. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my eyes glazed over for a second. Yeah, I know. I could he- I could sense it all the way over the- here on the internet. <laughs> so yeah, I have to like work through trying to uh, like have a bunch of sidebars in the book. One of the things that I s- like that we use, one of the pieces of jargon we use is that, that in most workplaces, there's like a leader of leaders and it, the term comes from, has to come from uh, farm worker organizing, but I call it the Primerex, right? It's a Latina, Latino kind of version oh. of the Primero, the, the number one leader in gotcha. the workplace. Yeah. Um, so having a bunch of sidebars in there to try and just like, you know, there's, there's all these jargony terms. Mm-hmm. The boss hires a buster, a union buster. There's a, 
I have the book here somewhere on my shelf, but there's this guy who wrote a diary of a, like the confessions of a union buster is the name of the book. And he goes through like, this is how I destroy workers organizing. This is how I destabilize their, their efforts. And it's a high page gig. It's, you know, $500 an hour to go hang out in a workplace and lie to workers. Can't we just be cool for like a minute? <laughs> That's it's big business. Bananas. There's yeah. one work. There's a workplace here in Oregon. There's a, a chain of uh, work of workplaces. I'm not going to call them out mm-hmm. on your podcast because that would be giving them <laughs> advertising space. Um, but they paid everyone. They gave everyone a three to five dollar an hour raise two three years ago when we tried to organize. Yeah. Everyone in their whole company in the state got a three to five dollar an hour raise. And the, lo and behold, the workers stopped talking to us. Uh-huh. That'll do it. Yeah. It's like they 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 made the calculation that it was easier for them to make the, take that economic hit than it was to deal with workers in the in all of their workplaces. Yeah. Being union or having yeah. a union. Yeah, because that's something like you may have been able to negotiate a, a raise, but then with a the union, they could they could keep asking for things. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Can't have that. And and I'm sure like that's that's got to be such a tough decision to make for the workers. I I know you you brought that up before the conversations that you've you've had with people. That's Yeah. It's ugh. very very real and it's all all the way to their pocketbook, all the way to their back seat or yeah. the the back of their pants like yeah. about how they what their life is like. And yeah. you know, there there was one local in uh in the East Coast that would uh they would gauge their their victories not by how many workers they had organized or how many workplaces they'd organized, but how many lives they had changed uh, mm-hmm. through the leadership development in that during the course of the campaign. So, like, they took solace in okay, well, we didn't organize that workplace. We took a run at it. Run at it. Next year, we'll reapproach all those workers. But the worker who stood up in that campaign, she left her abusive husband and took her kids and moved out and is now like helping out with campaign work, organizing other nursing homes in another part of Ohio or whatever. But like her, her life was dramatically changed because she got agency and she had like a, an imaginative hope about what she can do with that agency and realized that she didn't need to live with that dirt bag. Mm, That's really good. Are those kind of successes like outside of, of beating the boss? Are those uh, something that you can get in your game? Yeah, you can definitely like, I can definitely see that happening in the game. I left a lot of like open-ended avenues oh, for, cool. for players to really uh, investigate. There's like opportunities to do all of the drama internally to the team. So the, like the organizers frequently have drama. We work on the road Ooh. outside of the, our homes for months at a time. Like our, our, the local I work at is a statewide local. So I've spent months in Bend, Oregon or uh, Medford, like these parts that are four, three or four hours away from home. Yeah. And you spend that with three other organizers or on like a, a hardcore uh, skilled nursing home campaign. You have you, you, you and two other organizers are are like camped in this like little tiny beach town. And all there is is a bar a hotel and the workplace and you get up at, at like five thirty in the morning to get over to the workplace to do shift change and then like work the morning and then crash and then get up later. So the game's got like that sort of dramatic like avenues to play in. It's yeah. got the worker dramatic avenues to play in and mm. like you can like really learn, you can 
experiment with tactics. Will a flyer work here? Well, what is our message for that flyer? What is our, uh, like, we, if we do an action at this point in the campaign, what will the outcome be? What would it look like? Yeah. Who do we want to include in that action? What do we want to, like, make the topic? What are we fighting over? And, like, you can take this. I think that there's like uh, another like level of malleability in the game that you can do community fights where you identify like uh, uh, some developer is going to demolish a whole bunch of low income housing to put a campus for some big computer company. So let's organize the community to fight back on that. Okay. Well, that's cool. Do those take a different amount of time or are they like at all fundamentally different? story beats or is it um is it pretty much the same i think the lessons and the the like near the the arc of the campaign is really similar mm-hmm. right you okay. you start with the in starting incident and then you build support right. and you take actions and you push towards some sort of resolution some sort of recognition of that power okay so it's a very four act structure right in in some cases cool how long typically does a does a game or a campaign of of beat the boss take? Like, is it a, is it a campaign play game? Like, do you play multiple sessions of the same thing? Or yeah, I think you you, you uh, most most of the gameplay that I've done and most of my like the 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 game I the games I like is more campaign yeah. styled. Okay. Um, but I think you can pick up any one of the phases of the campaign and. Mm-hmm play that independently so you could like i could conceive of an opportunity to sit down and i've talked with other uh trainers from the from the union about this like how do you make it playable in four hours uh and Mm -hmm. like where can you learn a lesson and that's like do you do like a training for get out the vote where you're it's all mm. down to one day uh, yeah. to get everybody to come in to vote in two vote blocks that are two hours long each. Yeah. What is your plan to make that happen and run through all of the crazy machinations that you have to do to make things happen? How do you like make sure you get people in your car to drive them into vote or do you uh, like find out that they're at school and you need to get, you need to go get them from school because they're in like the community college and you need to get them to vote and they're a yes vote. So they got to get in your car. <laughs> How do you find them outside of class? Like I've, I've had yeah. instances of running into a, a CNA class and being like, Hey, I, uh, you right there, I, Mary, I need to talk to you for a minute. Can you come outside? Can I go on a real quick trip? Yeah. Or like there, there were like instances of road trips that were a lot longer and had yeah. different outcomes where like a, a coworker of mine, found out someone was a no vote and and kind of just pulled off on the side of the road oh no <laughs> oops yeah out of gas sorry <laughs> i can't get you there wow. um so I, I think you could totally play it in a smaller version but they would be like those those very dramatic short bursts of time that campaigns frequently have like Right. How do you go about doing an action? All of the stuff that happens. It seems like time slows down when you have 40 people walking from a, from a coffee shop where you all gathered and you have the plan for who's going to do what, deliver what, and you go march on a, a landlord to talk about like the horrible quality of their, their apartments and yeah. the way they're raising rent or whatever. Time really does seem to slow down, so like there's a lot of uh, a lot of moments, a lot of conversations that happen within that framework. 
Yeah. I, I haven't, like, I'm, we're not even playing the game, and I feel like I'm... <laughs> I hope you don't feel exhausted already. No, not exhausted, but just, uh, like, the drama of a game, I don't feel like has gotten to me like this in a, in a while, and it's very cool. This is exciting. Yeah, uh, I, I tried to build in a lot of the lessons that you have to learn as an organizer, too, like a whole bunch of best practices, like when you... When the boss spends their money to erode support, an organizer is not going to learn about that until they talk to the worker, mm. right? until they talk to their organizing committee member. They're not going to yeah. know that the boss pulled them into a meeting and there was the boss, an HR person and a lawyer telling them how stupid they were for trying to have a union. Mm. So those best practices to you have to be in touch with your organizing committee every day. Yeah. And if, at the end of every shift, like check in with them text yeah. or call them to see yeah. where they're at that's terrifying <laughs> so heroes who are going to go play this game and and learn these skills and these best practices uh are they going to take your job and is that okay oh yeah organizers uh we've long talked about how we need to be uh we need to organize ourselves out of a job mm, okay right if there are more organizers in the world then my job is much easier cool. i'm i'm fundamentally a lazy person <laughs> and if the more I can delegate and have and ask other people to do, and it's like within their agency to like, this is a development opportunity for them to like learn some skills and yeah. and be better at their thing. I'm I'm super happy. Nice. All right. As long as I get credit for it. Yeah. If you give me credit for for your workplace organizing, then yeah. I'll be happy about that. Yeah, I'm sure they will. They we learned it from a game. <laughs> people will be loving to tell. Play this cool game with me. Yeah. Learn skills, disrupt your workplace. Right. That's the tagline right there. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, I wanted to, I got the uh, bringing the class war to the tabletop was yeah, the, that's good. the tagline that's that better. we landed on. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. What What else should we know about this game? Anything? Uh, we're, we're still on Kickstarter till, through the 28th. Perfect. Uh, we've already funded. Congratulations. Gonna, thank you. It was amazing. Like I, I apparently there's a a range of emotions that everybody on Kickstarter like goes through. <laughs> yeah. I I started the whole time with this isn't going to work. This is no one's going to buy this book. Mm -hmm. No one's going to buy this book. Um, and then with within a week we had funded and we're just kind of continuing on through the end of the month. Fantastic. That's the way to be. Yeah. Yeah. They should find their local union that represents their industry and go contact them. Yeah, they should. That would be, there's right. a lot more industries that we know of that need to unionize. Um, yeah. And maybe now all the public sector is really right. The public sector is straightforward to organize because there's like ways to leverage the employers because they get elected every two to six years. Mm -hmm. The private sector is much harder to organize because those guys and ladies can just, Yep. Like, just like wallow in their cash. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I can't think of anything else to add. Like, we talked quite a lot about yeah. a lot of things. I, we've learned a lot, I think, just from this conversation. And, and we stand to learn a lot more from playing this game, which is super exciting. Uh, so heroes can go check that out. We'll have all of those links in the show notes. And everybody's bosses should be very worried right now. Uh, I certainly hope so. Yeah. So, so Doug, where can we find you and your games? Maybe this one and futures. We'll see what, what comes next. Yeah, the future games that I'm sure we'll see. I have to write a bunch of campaigns now. Yeah. <laughs> um. So those are all beyond practicalfox.com. Okay. 
uh, all of the extras and the character sheets and uh, hand chart to, to be able to chart a workplace. All the tools that I use as an organizer uh, will be up on Practical Fox, cool. and we're going to get those up on Drive-Thru RPG, too. The, you can find me uh, tweeting about a bunch of mini- miniatures I paint and uh, some other half-baked uh, political thoughts mm-hmm. at, f- at Fuzzy Doug on okay. Twitter. <laughs> uh, it's a long, long email uh, history of mm-hmm. using Fuzzy Geisler as my email address. Mm-hmm. Left me with Fuzzy Doug for Twitter. Mm-hmm. Sometimes these things happen. We try not to. Yeah, that's <laughs> great. Like, I have no problem being fuzzy. I take yeah. my glasses off. Everything's fuzzy. Exactly. That's just the way the world is. Uh, yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing this and having this conversation with me. I, it was very excellent. Thanks, Megan. Thanks again to Doug for being on and sharing so much of his experiences with me. Check out those links in the show notes. That's all for this week, heroes. Follow Modifier on Twitter at Modifier Podcast, or send us questions, comments, and suggestions through email at modifierpodcast at gmail.com. Modifier is part of the OneShot Podcast Network, an incredible family of RPG podcasts, including shows like this one. Join hosts Hannah Schaefer and Evan Rowland as they redesign their first role-playing game. Design Doc is an experiment in public participatory analog game design. It's fun, it's messy, and you're invited along for the ride. To find out more about this and other shows on the network, visit oneshotpodcast.com. Modifier's theme music was created by my favorite Bothan, Cat Greenfield, whose myriad talents are on display at catgreenfield.com. Join me again in two weeks for another episode of Modifier. See you then.